Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. So before the COVID crisis, uh, a lot of Americans and politicians uh, spent a lot of time shouting down the Facebooks of the world and big tech and big banks and demanding that we break them up, that these, uh, these companies have become powerful monopolies and they, they essentially steal and threaten our privacy by using our data without our, our permission and they threaten our financial security. But, you know, it took a global public health crisis to turn our attention to the fact that very few companies control our food. I'm Tom Colicchio, and this is Citizen Chef. So in this episode, we'll take a look at how a handful of food companies became so powerful, how COVID is exposing the flaws in the system, and how corporate consolidation can make our food system more resilient, protecting workers and consumers in the process. COVID-19 has exposed how fragile corporate consolidation can make an industry. Consolidation really has warped the the meatpacking industry. The meat companies um, really have all the power in their relationships with all entities in the supply chain, from the farmer to the worker, um, the the distributor, and even the retailer. We are talking to uh, Leah Douglas from Fern News, and she covers business and politics of food and agriculture and the environment. I've read plenty of your work. (laughs) Yeah, it's good to hear. I imagine your time is in need right now, since you've been talking about these issues for a long time that have kind of come to light. Yeah, it's definitely like, yeah, the seeing everyone talking about consolidation and meatpacking, I'm like, wow. COVID, it's clearly illustrating how the, uh, you know, it's highly concentrated industry of meatpacking, not only has put their workers in danger, but has just kind of exposed how unresilient our, our food system really is. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I thought you'd be a great person to talk to about this. First question, I mean, you, you tell me the numbers. How concentrated is meat processing? 
how many companies, or how few companies, I should say, um, control how so much of the market? There's maybe four or five companies that control uh, in the area of 80% of our meatpacking industry in the U.S. And that control, that includes some companies that, um, you know, you'll see their brands in the supermarket like Tyson Foods, Purdue, um, Pilgrim's Pride, and especially in the chicken space. A lot of consumers know those names. And mm-hmm. it also includes companies like Cargill, um, JBS, which is a Brazilian company, Smithfield Foods, which is the largest pork packer in mm-hmm. the world, is a Chinese-owned company. The chicken industry is a little bit slightly more diversified, but you'll still see maybe 65-70% controlled by four or five firms. And there's a lot of overlap. So, for instance, Tyson is active in beef, pork, and chicken. And you'll see, you know, some of the same names come up again and again. Um, so in the chicken space, you know, one company um, may control additionally, you know, more of the market share in a certain region. So, um, you know, farmer might might experience that, you know, in in his state or in her state, there's only two companies operating. It's Pilgrim's Pride or Tyson. Um, and so, you know, in that market, functionally, those two companies each each control 50%. Um, but in a different state, it might, it might be a few more. So it sort of depends on where you are. How did we get to where we are? Can, can you give us a, just a, a brief history of how, how we got here, how this concentration happened in, in meatpacking? So we used to have a much more diversified meat economy in the U.S. There were a few thousand independent processing facilities that worked with many thousands of independent livestock farmers. And we started to see a transition in the 80s and in the 90s towards consolidation across the economy. Agriculture was no exception. So we saw a lot of mergers and acquisitions during those decades that uh, rolled up power um, and control within a few companies. And we also saw the widespread adoption of the contract farming model in which farmers are tied up in contracts to specific companies for their animals. So that really ate into uh, the sort of free market, if you will, of you know, an independent farmer bringing his or her animals to a slaughterhouse and selling them, you know, based on a negotiation. Uh, The contract model really sets the price, sets the buyer, and there's a lot less flexibility in the market now. Right. Um, And so how does that play out in terms of workers who are working in in these plants? Uh, I imagine they have less power. How does this play out for the workers? You know that consolidation really has warped the the meatpacking industry such that the meat companies, and again, those are the, the brand names that we discussed, really have all the power in their relationships with all entities in the supply chain from the farmer to the worker, the distributor, and even the retailer. So those companies really set the terms of everyone's wages uh, and workplace conditions in the case of workers, where the conditions for these workers were already tenuous at best and and dangerous. And in many circumstances, meatpacking is inherently dangerous work. It always has been. And, you know, for many workers, they had already said for years, we have inconsistent access to bathrooms. You know, we don't have paid sick time off. We're asked to work at breakneck speeds and are regularly injured. You know, that was just the status quo. These meatpacking plants have been asking the Department of Agriculture to allow them to run their lines faster um, for many years. And that's, you know, that results in a situation where workers could be processing, you know, 150 chickens per minute in some cases, really just an unimaginable pace of work, which results in all types of chronic and traumatic injuries for workers. These are tough conditions. These are repetitive moves, you know, for hours. 
essentially, it's not like you get a whole animal and you start butchering it. The animal comes out of a conveyor line and you're making one cut and then moving it on. You're taking the piece that you cut off into a, a sort of treadmill and it pushes it through and then the, the larger piece of meat just keeps going down the line. And so people are packed very, very close together. And additionally, meat packing plants are cold, they're windy, workers are working in very close proximity, shoulder to shoulder. There's been pretty successful penetration of unionizing in some, some meat packing plants. So we do see, you know, many um, workers in those plants do have a union, but the companies are resistant to uh, providing better workplace conditions and stronger benefits. And absolutely, that's been really the catalyst for the crisis we're seeing now during the COVID-19 pandemic. So really, if you had to design the place where COVID-19 outbreaks would be most likely to happen, a meatpacking plant is pretty close to uh, what the virus would probably see as an ideal place to spread. You have been mapping out processing plants, meatpacking facilities that uh, have outbreaks and how many deaths have been reported. What is your, your, your data showing you right now? I just updated the data before hopping on this call. As of April 30th, we're seeing uh, about 98 meatpacking and food processing plants experiencing outbreaks of COVID-19 and over 5,300 workers, according to my analysis, have been confirmed positive. So tested and positive and or reported by union, reported by the employer, and a test is is almost always involved in that confirmation. And Additionally, we've seen as of today, 25 worker deaths of COVID-19 attributed to an illness that they contracted in the workplace. And it's very safe to assume that those numbers are extremely conservative and low. That's only reported. I'm only tracking um, absolutely confirmed cases, but there's many more where, um, you know, either the company or the local health officials are not releasing the data. And there's many places where that testing is also not happening. April 29th, there was a uh, wildcat strike at a Smithfield plant in Nebraska where it was supposed to be, the plant was supposed to be closed for cleaning and the, uh, the, the company reversed course on that decision and about 50 workers just spontaneously walked out and said, you know, this is too dangerous for us to be here. So I would be surprised if we don't see more of that. I've seen in tracking the mapping and, and following the local news quite closely, these plants have really been reticent to change the status quo operations in most cases until there's already an outbreak underway. This morning, we're joined by Dusty Johnson, a Republican, a member of the Agricultural Committee. We had a caller uh, about uh, 15 or 20 minutes ago specifically mentioned the situation at the Smithfield pork processing plant. Can you just explain what's happening there right now and, and the state response there? Absolutely. This is one of the largest pork processing facilities in the country, 3,800 employees. This is about 6% of our whole nation's pork processing uh, capacity. And uh, it was a hot spot. Um, 600 employees uh, plus another 135 people uh, connected with them have come down with COVID-19. I'd like to provide a quick update on the Tyson situation as it stands right now. Overall, there have been 51 cases that have been found at the Tyson facility as a result of our recommendation to proceed with universal testing. On the number of cases that we've had associated with employees of the Demcota beef plant up in Aberdeen, um, right now that stands at about 76 cases um, that we have. We've done a couple of site visits since then and um, have worked with the management there. Um, they've done great things. They are uh, doing symptom checks twice a day uh, with their workforce. A real shout out to our friends at De Demcota Beef. 
it's definitely a frightening situation in terms of the conditions faced by workers uh, and the resilience of our food supply chain. I think there's definitely opportunity even now for um, you know plants that are not yet experiencing confirmed outbreaks to take actions to, to prevent that from happening and not wait until the outbreak is already underway. We'll be right back. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. And so monopolies, you know, it, it sounds like an old school issue. You know, at some point in school, we learned about the progressive era in the United States and uh, around the turn of the century. We learned about how, you know, Teddy Roosevelt broke up the big railroads in steel and ushered in the progressive era in the United States. And even going way back, Upton Sinclair uh, in the jungle exposed uh, how deregulation and consolidation in the meatpacking industry led to nightmarish work conditions and, and low pay. Well, you know, Sinclair wrote that book well over a century ago, and this pandemic has shown us that the antitrust laws like the Sherman Act of 1890, which ensured free and unfair competition in the U.S. market, and the Clayton Act of 1914, which prohibits mergers and acquisitions that may lead to monopolies, we kind of skirted those laws. And, and here we are in 2020 with only four companies controlling 66% of the pork market during a pandemic. So now with COVID, it really exposes the weakness of this highly concentrated system. So if you were going to create a, a, a better system, one again, that looks at producers, processors, distributors, how, how would that look that would actually, again, support the farmers, support the workers and support eaters? 
That's a great question. And I think we're seeing a lot of great examples of people trying to bring that that possible alternative system into reality even now, you know, coming up with these creative workarounds and new ways to try to get food to people. What you noted about the the farmer isn't a processor, that's such an important uh, piece of how the food supply chain works that I've been really trying to drive home in with my readers and interviews is, you know, the the processing capacity is also incredibly consolidated. So a farmer who who does anything, raises livestock, grows corn, grows fresh vegetables, they on the farm have very limited capacity in most cases in terms of, you know, what they turn that into to turn it into something that a consumer would recognize. The food supply chain is very effective at the status quo. It's extremely mm-hmm. effective at moving food through the system from the farm to the store under the conditions in which workers are paid very little. And, you know, it's an extremely fragile system and it's not good at adapting. It's not good at coming up with new flexible solutions. And so I think there are some opportunities that farmers can try to figure out, you know, how could we create a more local or regional food system where we can adapt when a crisis comes along. What, what policies that, that do you think can come out of the federal government or uh, USDA that could offer support to, to move the food system to more of a localized uh, production system as opposed to a highly concentrated one? There are a lot of great proposals around policies that could do that. And definitely, you know, there are a lot of calls to formally, you know, use government intervention to break up the consolidated food companies that we have. There are calls to halt mergers and acquisitions in that sector. Uh, And this is, you know, I'm referring to this is um, proposals for members of Congress. Um, And those things, you know, that's that's really a high level structural reform that along with implementation could could result in a more local or diversified uh, food system. This bill is good for our farmers. It would place a short term moratorium on the large agribusiness mergers that we're seeing across our nation. Fewer farmers means fewer choices for consumers and higher prices. Agricultural consolidation is a huge problem. Today, top four beef packers control 82% of the market. We need to temporarily stop these big mergers, and we need to start looking out for our farmers again. There's a lot baked into the Farm Bill, which is our biggest piece of federal you know, food and farm policy that uh, really shores up uh, the status quo. Senator from New Jersey. Thank you very much. There is a lot of opportunity within that bill to redistribute money away from the conventional and industrial food system and uh, to also give money to uh, more local and regional producers. These corporate agricultural institutions that are growing so large and so powerful are dictating practices that are contrary to our very idea of farming in our country. I think you've kind of you know, scratched the surface of the other big problem is that these large processors, um, they have a huge footprint in terms of the amount of lobbying they do uh, for Congress to keep that status quo. Yes, absolutely. You know, we had a really cut and dry example of this related to COVID where the chairman of Tyson Foods, John Tyson, wrote this big letter in the New York Times and a few other newspapers, essentially calling for federal assistance to the meatpacking industry. And two days later, we had an executive order from President Trump saying meatpacking plants must stay open, you know, and this removing authority from the states to close those plants in the interest of public health. Um, you know, the per- a person who runs a small independent processing facility in somewhere Pennsylvania is not going to have the resources or the sway to to get an executive order passed at their behest. COVID is really highlighting a situation that we already had, but it's really putting it on display. 
Thanks to Leah Douglas. And a special thanks to Kristen Castry and Lori Silverbush of A Place at the Table. Citizen Chef with me, Tom Colicchio, is a production of iHeartMedia. Christopher Hasiotis is our executive producer. Jesslyn Shields is our researcher. And as always, thanks for listening. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.